Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew Podcast. Do you know the secrets of making friends? They are so simple and easy. The Coffee Clatch Podcast. Welcome back to the Coffee Clatch Crew. Westworld, the lowdown episode review. I'm Jason Pistorino. I'm Christina Lomangino. And today we're going to give you the lowdown on Westworld and what you need to know while you're watching it. Yes, we are a little late on this intro <laughs> podcast, but as you guys know, if you listen to our Mr. Robot podcast, our website has gone down twice due to too much traffic, which is awesome because that means you guys are downloading, but we had to move it. Long story short, I've had to move it twice, still had issues. As we speak right now, the website is down, and hopefully you guys are going to still be around to listen to us and you hear this right now. It should be back up and running really soon. We think we finally might have it resolved. It'll just take a little more time. In any case, I think this is still valuable information. Even if you've seen episode one of Westworld, this might give you a little bit of a fleshed out background, some things that I didn't know. So we're going to talk about the book, which is where this all started, the Michael Crichton book, the movie, which came after that, then a little bit about the HBO TV series that we're going to be getting into, Westworld, five things you need to know about the series, and then we'll talk about some other fun facts and things associated with it. Yeah, and then for our next episode, we'll do a regular episode one review where we'll go through it like we normally do. So let's start out, Jason. Do you have any history with the Westworld universe? Personally? Yes. Have you read the book, seen the movie? No, I haven't, actually. Which we were thinking about seeing the movie, and then we we thought better. We were like, if there's anything that hints to what's going to happen during the show, we shouldn't watch the movie. But now I'm reading that this is probably 30 years after that. Mm -hmm. Because in the episode, they do talk about what happened 30 years ago since what happened. So I still don't think we should watch it because it will give too many hints. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely going to pull some things from the original story. It's funny enough. They call the episode one, the original is the title. So I think that it's going to come in certain places. I just wasn't sure how heavily they would pull from it. So I didn't want to spoil anything for myself. I have not read the book or seen the movie, which is unusual for me. I don't have the background here of my own personal knowledge, but I'm excited to learn more about it. And at some point when I feel safe, I'm going to go back and do both. Mm. Nerd. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, for now, I just got a little bit about the book, which Michael Crichton gave a quote about. He actually said that it didn't quite work as a novel because of the rather special structure of the story. The premise of it was that it's about an amusement park built to represent three different worlds, a Western world, a medieval world, and a Roman world. The detailing of these worlds and the kinds of fantasies people experience are more movie fantasies, and they got to be rather strange looking on the written page. So even he always had a movie in mind mm. at some point. Yeah. He wanted it to be a visual representation. This is out of left field, but just thinking about his body of work, this and Jurassic Park uh, specifically, he loves to do parks, right? And a place, a place to ex- escape. 
So often, like writers and artists, they channel their talents to it uh, as a way to escape, right?、Mm-hmm. So obviously, he needed. I bet he thought life was kind of boring and needed to escape. He definitely deals in fantasy, but also mixes in science fiction. So you have books like The Andromeda Strain, Congo, Sphere, like you said, Jurassic Park. They're going to talk about later how they wanted to sell this as straight science fiction, even though he had it more in his mind as a fantasy. Fantasy, yeah.、And、this was back in the day. He passed away 2008, I believe. Yeah, it's 2008. So unfortunately, we're not getting any more of his books. But、uh, he was definitely very imaginative, and we, luckily, we have the technology to experience these in all of its glory. On、mm-hmm. TV and in the movies. Yeah, they actually released a couple of books after his death. So posthumous, you had Pirate Latitudes came out in '09, Micro in 2011, and Dragon Teeth is supposed to be coming out in 2017. So I'm not sure how many more we might continue to get some stories that we didn't know about.、Um, some of them are completed by other writers. So Micro was completed by Richard Preston,、okay. so that it could then be released. Awesome. But、Those、I remember, cool. yeah, and I remember reading a lot of these books are some of my favorite books, and then turned movie because most of these big Sphere, ones were, you love it. yeah, Sphere,、um, the Andromeda Strain actually came、yeah. out as a TV release yeah, I movie. I remember you made us buy it on DVD. I love it. I love it. So I, I'm definitely all about his variety of science fiction fantasy. And he brought this to the big screen in November 1973. They did create a movie. He was director and screenwriter. It was produced by MGM. It was actually their top-grossing movie of 1973. This starred Yul Brenner, Richard Benjamin, James Brolin, and they described it as a science fiction western thriller about amusement park robots that malfunction and begin killing visitors. We have robots again. Elliot is in there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the, the difference here with the movie, from what they say, is that it showed the point of view of the main robot played by Yul Brenner, but it really was more about the guests. Okay. Whereas this time we're getting a more in-depth look at the hosts. Oh, I see. So I can't speak from personal experience there, but I think they're going to alter the way we view things a little. And I hope it's on the same,、uh, like on a different timeline, like thirty years later. It seems like it. If they're talking about this crazy thing that happened thirty years ago, yeah. Well, you know, this is when supposedly this horrible thing happened. They had malfunctions. There were visitors being killed. So I assume that's what they're referring to. Now, the budget on this movie was crazy. So MGM only agreed to let Crichton direct it if he could make it for one point three million. Which was a small budget, even in '73. Yeah, and if shooting lasted only 30 days. My goodness, with all that sci-fi technology type stuff. Yes, him、Jesus. writing and directing, and all of the lengths he had to go to to create something new, because he had this idea in mind for the way he wanted this to look. So I'll get to that in a minute. He wound up spending seventy-five thousand on set construction. The art director Herman Blumenthal had to build twenty sets covering nearly two hundred thousand feet. Whoa! In a very, very short amount of time, and 
what this is remembered for is the fact that he wanted to do something different with special effects. He was the first film director to use computer-generated imagery as movie special effects. So people didn't really understand how to use it or what he was talking about when he was explaining it to them. He said, what special effects technique would best suggest a machine's point of view? I proposed a simple solution, to use a machine. I wanted to film the scenes and then manipulate that with a computer. Such a process had never been used for motion picture films before. They were limited to photographic processes such as solarization, you know, like making shimmery landscapes. Hmm. They couldn't understand until finally he wound up at a place called the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. And they could do it. They did get it. But it was going to take nine months at $200,000. And that was just to do a very, very small percentage of it. Wow. So he finally found this guy named John Whitney Jr. who agreed to do it in four months. What he had to do was color separate each frame, scan each of the elements to convert them into rectangular blocks, and then add basic color according to tone values. Because of all this, he could only process a few seconds of film a week. Yeah, he didn't have Adobe After Effects or Premiere back then, or <laughs> even Final that. Cut. They didn't even know what this was. But basically, what he was looking for was a blocky animated effect. Okay. So they used digital imaging processing to pixelate the photography and simulate an Android point of view. But imagine being the first person to say, well, if I wanted this to look like it was from the point of view of a robot... Really, the logical conclusion is to use a machine. Yeah. So how do we make that work? And he kickstarted this whole idea. All Michael Creighton? Creighton. Creighton. Yeah. You know, so I was saying he's probably very imaginative. Looking at the titles of all of his books and the ones that we do know. Mm-hmm. You know the saying, like, normal people make normal results? Yeah. So obviously, extraordinary people make extraordinary results. And he's got some balls on him to do this. So with that time frame and that budget he started to create something that would change the way we do movies from that point out. Yeah, and then Jurassic Park did a huge jump, another first. (laughs) Yeah. But this time he had Spielberg to help him out with that one. Yes. But uh, yeah, so, man, they don't talk about him enough. Not nearly. And the reception was pretty good. It made $4 million, and then after its re-release in 1976, it made a total of $7 million. I hope his family's making some money off of this show. Something. Yeah, I'm sure some of it probably goes to them, right? It's got to. Well, and then following that, supposedly there was a sequel film called Future World, which I'd never heard of. And then they did originally make it into a short TV series beyond Westworld, but that didn't last very long. Okay. So this is their first real foray into the TV series. And thank goodness they were picked up by HBO who can really give it the time, the money, the care that it probably takes to create a world like this. So I would love to go back and see what those other two worlds look like, Uh, the Roman world and the medieval world. Yeah, I wish it wasn't Roman and medieval. I feel like those are, I mean, they're not the same times, but they're similar enough. Kind of similar, right? One was like Caribbean world, pirate world. Space world. Space world. That would be fun. You know, if Westworld does well, maybe they'll decide in future seasons to go to another world. Or maybe do a spin-off. We're already saying do a spin-off, 
It's only been one episode. <laughs> yeah, but we'll talk about it when we get to the episode one. I think the reason we're saying these things is because it is amazing so far. We're yes. not going to get into that if you haven't watched episode one yet. The intro is fairly spoiler free. We're mm-hmm. really not going to talk about the facts of it, just the background. But I do want to give you the background on the TV series. As you know, it's a one-hour drama series. It's on HBO, Sunday nights at 9. Hopefully you're already watching it. Uh, Being developed by Jonathan Nolan with executive producers Lisa Joy and J.J. Abrams. Jonathan Nolan, remember season one of Mr. Robot when one of our listeners asked us to watch Memento? Yes. And said it was very similar? Mm Mm-hmm. Jonathan Nolan. Yeah. Um, Amongst many other things. Yeah, good background. They got a good team together. We'll talk about the cast in a minute. The filming for this pilot actually took place in August 2014. So they've been working on this for a bit in and around Los Angeles. And this is my little fun fact to drop on you. Guess who is composing the music for this show? Oh, no. Yes. Ramin Jawadi. Oh, shit. Our Game of Thrones composer. So well, if you felt some similarity or you loved what you were hearing, that's probably why. I know. If, if you get involved in the HBO family and you're good, you're, you're pretty much set for life. They'll take care of you. They'll keep you going. And funny enough, he worked with Nolan on another TV series, Person of Interest. Oh, wow. Jawadi, that is. Nice. Okay. J.J. Uh, Abrams and Brian Burke, do you know much about them? A little about J.J. Abrams. Well, they, they're, as a producer team, they've worked together uh, numerous times. Okay. Alias. Lost. Nice. Star Trek reboot. Oh, The wow. Star Treks that everyone loves. Yep. Uh, the newer Mission Impossibles movies. Okay. And Star Wars The Force Awakens. Oh, so they're comfortable. They're comfortable with each other. And you know, J.J. Abrams has been everywhere. But he's got his boy Brian Burke with him all the time. Yeah. Well, this is a fantastic team. And the basic premise of this, very similar. It's a dark odyssey about artificial consciousness, the evolution of sin, set at the intersection of the near future and the reimagined past, which we wondered when we first started talking about this, how would they marry a Western to such a advanced scientific future? They're doing a great job of it so far, and this place is a world in which every human appetite, no matter how noble or depraved, can be indulged. Yeah. That's from their own lips, and that's what it is so far, and part of the beauty of it is this cast. Just ridiculous. Yeah. Let's start out with your main character, so our ultimate host, and we won't go too far down, just a little bit of kind of exploring who they are. Okay, you have one of your main characters, which is Dolores Abernathy. She's played by Evan Rachel Wood. You have Teddy Flood, played by James Marsden. One of the big draws, I think, for everybody is Dr. Robert Ford being played by Anthony Hopkins and the gunslinger being played by Ed Harris. Ed Harris has been... the man in black, they call him. He's been in a lot of movies that are kind of dreamy, um, the one with Jim Carrey. Oh yeah, of course. There's a lot of comparisons being drawn to the Truman Show. Yes. And he's actually the controller of the game, quote unquote. He's the Dr. Ford in yes, the Truman Show. In the Truman Show. Yeah. Absolutely. 
And going back to Anthony Hopkins, pretty much anything he's in, I'm in. Of course, yeah. Um, again, Ed Harris, he was in a Western, I forget what it was, back in the day when he was younger. Oh, wow. So it kind of like just fits into the role. I've never seen any of he's the classic Westerns the Western. before. Yeah, and so many other movies, but we don't want to bog that down. Yeah, I mean, you've got a ton of people here. Maeve is played by Thandie Newton. Hottie. Who is amazing. With a body. She's, uh, <laughs> and now she seems like she's going to be a strong character. That's the most I'll say right now. Yeah, although it's really hard to tell. Even with some of the ones that are going to be more major characters, we'll get into that in episode one, they have grayed the waters a bit. They're presenting it as black and white, but I like that even midway through episode one, you mm-hmm. have no idea what the ultimate outcome is going to be. Not at all. But I do know she's going to end up being one of the stronger characters. Yeah. Well, and then I like the mix of strength and emotion that we see from Elsie. Elsie King, played by Shannon Woodward. We've seen her in other movies and shows. One of my favorites right after episode one is Bernard Lowe being played by Jeffrey Wright. He's a genius here. And he's awesome in one of your favorite movies, Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. Love his character there, too. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's not the same kind of character, but just they're There's smart. The they're both smart. There. Yeah. yeah. But this guy's more level-headed as of now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love, I love the intrigue there. You have Lee Sizemore being played by Simon Quarterman. Mm-hmm. Teresa Cullen, I do not know how to pronounce this actress's name, Sidsy Nudson, perhaps? Yeah. Something like that. Um, I'm not familiar with her prior to this series. And then to quickly run through the others, Hector is played by Rodrigo Santoro. Armistice is played by Ingrid Berdahl. Clementine is played by Angela Serafian. And Stubbs by Luke Hemsworth. Okay, now, Christina has a Hemsworth thing going on (laughs) internally. So this is one of three brothers, Liam Hemsworth and Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, this is the one I'm least familiar with, though. I haven't really seen Luke in much. Right. And your favorite being Liam Hensworth from Hunger Games again. Yes, which I guess is not the popular choice. Most people like his brother who plays Thor. Right. Amongst other things, but I'm just partial to the dark-haired beauties. Chris is also in the new Ghostbusters, (laughs) which he plays a a silly character. (laughs) Yeah, so now we got the third brother in on the action here. And we're going to be introduced to a lot of other characters along the way. Just right off the bat, you have Peter Abernathy being played by Lewis Hertham. And I'm going to Amazing talk about actor. him a lot yes. in episode one. Well, wait, we can't jump over my favorite, favorite character, Clementine. Oh, I said her already. I know, but we jumped over it. She is the sexiest woman ever. She reminds me of Penelope Cruz. How do you like her last name? Penny Feather. Penny feather. I like it. It tickles. Um, and we get to see her boobs. Apparently, she is one of the most popular attractions. I she's, will say no more. She's got great boobs. <laughs> Five things to know, as HBO tells us about this series. Number one, the show will not shy away from the quote-unquote big questions. Jonathan Nolan said, that's very much what the show is examining. Where does life begin? Pondering the nature of reality, whether or not it's an artificial being, AI believes in their own realities and they feel as we feel our own feelings. It's a lot of feeling. It's a lot of feeling going (laughs) on there. But yeah, yeah, I guess they're not going to be afraid to really look at those things and try to figure them out a little bit more. HBO is not afraid. 
Number two, Westworld shows us who we truly are. So Nolan is committed to examining our primal desires. Variety got this quote. It's building on the incredibly evocative concept of the original film. We wanted to pose the question, if you could be completely immersed in a fantasy, one in which you could do whatever you wanted, would you discover things about yourself that you didn't want to know? Uh, yeah. Do I answer that now or we'll answer that throughout the season, I guess. Yeah, I think we'll talk more in episode one because it's definitely something they make you think about even right off the bat. Mm -hmm. But I love that they're going to be digging at things like that. It's not just an entertaining action piece. It's not just fun science fiction or fantasy. They're really going into another level. Number three, there will be blood. Violence, while present in Westworld, will be a somewhat grim reflection of human history. Executive producer Lisa Joy affirmed, We take violence very serious, and it's not about the fetishization of those acts, rather exploring the crime, hopefully with dignity and depth. And that comes from The Verge. Violence. So sexual violence as well, right? Yeah. I think they're not going to steer away from those things that were part of the reality of the history of the time. Mm -hmm. So if that was the reality... They're going to go for it. They're going to look at that the same way Game of Thrones will examine, okay, women were put in a different category in medieval-type times. Yeah. You can't not talk about those things if you're trying to do a realistic depiction, even in a fictional world. You know, they got in a little hubbub uh, last year when they were doing their casting contracts. Okay. Basically, you know, like, the the actors' union is SAG. Mm-hmm. So they... We're giving out their casting contracts, and essentially, you know how the lawyer lingo, you can't really understand it, but it leaves a lot open. Yeah. Essentially, it made it sound like you will be asked to um, do things that are sexual in nature. You may be asked, basically, to show up with no clothes whatsoever. Yeah. And although HBO said it never said that you had to do with it, you had to do it. Of course, you could bow out. But it made the contract made it sound like you had to. Okay. So there was a little hubbub, and HBO fixed it. But uh, that was the talk of the town for a while. Similar to Game of Thrones, because I don't think they're just putting it in there for the sake of putting it in there. Mm -hmm. It makes sense in the narrative they're telling. Okay, number four: the hosts were fastidiously designed. Defining the parameters of host behavior prompted a lot of questions from Evan Rachel Wood about her on-screen counterpart. Will the sun blind us? Do we sweat? Do we bleed? Thandie Newton reassured that the details were meticulous. Well, we can already see that. So they really took the care to try to distinguish yeah. here. So festividly designed. So Christmas, <laughs> Halloween outfits. No. No? Oh. Carefully designed. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, and I mean, quite obviously... You're going to see that early on, and part of this is the actors and actresses playing the role convincingly, okay. which they're doing yes. a great job of. And finally, number five, we're way past 1973 technology. No longer are we in a world where Pong is the pinnacle of video games. Quote, in the 40 years since then, that entire industry has grown up and evolved into something bigger than the film business, bigger than the TV business. So our narrative had to account for the more sophisticated understanding that we have. And that was mm. Nolan again. I have 
more to say about that, but I'll save it for the episode. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it might sound like we're saving everything for episode one. <laughs> it is probably going to be a lengthier episode as we examine some of the questions it brings up. Here, though, we can talk about one more big thing connected to this universe, and that's discoverwestworld.com. Love it. If you haven't been there yet, this is a great site to visit. It'll make you intrigued about the show. It'll give you a little bit more about the journey you're about to go on. I feel like it really immerses you. It makes this world come to life. It's almost as if, yeah, it's real, which is basically what you just said. It looks like a vacation planning website. Yes. Yeah, you come on, it prompts you that you can register to begin your journey. You can enter your email so they send you things as this series goes along. You can speak with a host, type in questions, and get answers. And you have a clip playing. You get some visuals of this beautiful filming that you're going to see. And then they describe to you a little bit about Westworld, which they're selling as the first vacation destination where you can live without limits. That's their big thing. Free of rules, free of judgment. Just come and figure out your impulses and have a good time. Just come and... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like sexual, violent, whatever that might be, nothing's really off limits here. It's actually been, uh, of course, there's been people that are against it saying that it is a man's world. It's, to, it's, a, it's a dream world for men rather than women. I think that's maybe the skew that you're getting right now. I don't know if that's going to continue. That right. certainly was a reality in Western times, if yes. that's what they're trying to bring to life. We have yet to see this really, without spoiling much, you don't get a full picture from the guest's point of view, the visitor's yeah. point of view. They haven't dived deep into that yet. It's been one episode. And I think, who knows where that could go in the future. Yeah. But here are their top tenets. Freedom. So this is what I was saying, the no judgment, no question thing. Please excuse the bird. He's oh, Achilles. Do you want to visit Westworld, sweetheart? No. He's our mascot. Hey! Yeah, he's an annoyance is what all the viewers yes. are probably saying. All right, then you have bliss, whether that's love or lust. You have thrills, action, adventure. And escape into this immersive experience. The timing on this is beautiful, thinking about how uh, virtual reality is becoming a big thing now. So this would be the next step after virtual reality. Yes. I just noticed as I'm scrolling down through their website, mm -hmm. they have given me the next location now that we've oh, nice. seen episode one. So I won't tell you about that. When you first sign on, you're going to hear only about a place called Sweetwater. And this is your first stop. So when you get off the train, you're deposited into this place. And this is where you enter the world. The website will show you a little bit about that. And I guess as we go along, you'll get different locations. They give you a, a little clip and then it opens up into the bigger map of the world. What you should do is put in your email account because they're going to give you newsletters weekly mm -hmm. uh, and give you this storyline. So we got an email today that talks about the next location and it speaks to you as if they're you know they're selling you like if you're going to Hawaii they tell you about this hotel that's known for this and this and this and you know so yeah and not it's just pretty cool the email the 
the actual website itself realizes yes. that I've been on here and at first I could not access this second location. Now I can. So it's kind of cool. You'll be given that piece by piece. I remember with HBO, you could go inside Game of Thrones and you right. could see all the characters and all the locations and it was really fun but a bit overwhelming because you got it all at once. Yes. This is giving it out piecemeal. piecemeal. Which it's perfect. That's fun. That's different. It's a journey. You can see this entire map, the topology of the park. And then finally you get to a screen where you can quote unquote book your stay. And they tell you a little bit about that. So check it out. It's worth it. It's, it's not even, I wouldn't even say it's worth your time because it's actually fun. It's awesome. And it's pretty quick. Okay, we'll end this just by saying we were really excited mm-hmm. for this series to start. We have since then seen episode one. I could not be more thrilled for this Me to neither. continue. And I want to thank the Clatchers for voting on this show because we could be doing a different show oh, if they so voted otherwise. I'm so happy that yes. this is what you picked. It's all thanks to you. The poll made it happen. This is why it's great to stay involved with us. We hope you'll continue listening throughout the season. Write into us, get involved with the podcast, and stay tuned for our next episode where we review episode 101, the original. We're going to start recording that next after we kill our bird. Till next time, <laughs> this round's on me. This round is on me. Try again.